Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. You know how I'm always telling you guys to bet on red? Well, if you head over to Bet Online Sportsbook, you can put together a nice little parlay of Patrick Mahomes to win MVP, Kansas City to get the number one seed in the AFC, and Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, tallying together at a nice value of plus 1150. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent today. How are you doing, Razor? Good. It's a little chilly here in the Tar Heel State, but I'm good. Uh, what does chilly mean? What does chilly mean at this time? Uh, you know, it's the wind. So the temperature is deceiving. It's not that bad, probably 47. But when you have those, you know, 10 mile per hour, 15 mile per hour winds, God, it feels in the 30s, right? So uh, that that would be my chilly right but a knock in the face but we'll we'll survive we will survive here we are fortunate that we don't live in the midwest or northeast i could tell you that well speaking of survive how is your survivor pool going i know it's been a couple <laughs> oh, weeks you're well, holding on yeah I, i'm i'm as dead as um as, as as millions of people are around this planet in survivor pools i'm out it was a fun run, though. I got to tell you, Kyle, it's really probably one of the best values, in my opinion, in gambling um, is Survivor or our Survivor pools because you have a chance to take a ticket that usually is worth, I would say, the average price tag on most Survivor pool tickets is fifty dollars, right? This one was a hundred, and if if you get lucky and and you're a little bit of skill. You can really use that hundred dollars for uh, you know eight to fourteen weeks of entertainment, and I think. You know, you're probably not going to win many survivor pools in your betting lifetime, but the fun, the thrill, the heartbreak, the excitement for as long as I had it for, which was, I think, 12 weeks. Pretty cool. Seemed like you had a lot of fun, especially coming on here. And <laughs> that was the thing you want, you thought was most intriguing. Who is the team that did you in at the end? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I had two survivor pools, one that uh, the, 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 the pot was $250,000. And the other one that was $88,000. Um, the $88,000 one, uh, I lost this week, Kyle, with uh, the Los Wages Raiders. Um, and uh, you know what? You just, it's so disturbing, but um, <laughs> it's not surprising. Disturbing, yes. Surprising, no. Um, that's, a, that's a loss that you just, it's unacceptable. It's coaching. It's, it's undisciplined uh, football, and it's exactly what you can expect out of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so we'll go with the small pot, which is still a very wonderful pot <laughs> that people will share at, at some point, I'm sure week 17 or 18. Uh, the, big, the big one was, was the Giants. And I'll tell you a story. This is a good, this is a good learning lesson for uh, anyone who listens to this podcast in the next few days. Um, I lost with the Giants over the Lions. This was, I think, week 12, if I have that correct. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I had the Saints as my pick that 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 was the pick that was initially submitted on wednesday night we typically you know you can submit your 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 picks on wednesday doesn't matter what time i think i, I remember doing it uh, after dinner i said i'm gonna take the saints at home against the rams and i started to listen to a variety of different 
shows on Sunday morning, as I think you should not to, you know, learning lesson here, not to change your gambling opinion, but to learn about injuries, to learn about weather. And the Saints really produced a lot of inactives uh, at 12 Eastern that I didn't know about uh, leading up to this game. I knew that they had so many defensive deficiencies, but I knew LA was, you know, they were down cup, they were down Stafford and the saints um, offensive line was decimated. They were down to one starter on the offensive line from week one for the matchup against the Rams. Now Stafford was in. So and that, that was also the big, the big change. Okay. Well, Stafford's going to play and um, the Rams, excuse me, the, the saints offensive line is now for the most part, 80% uh, gone from week one. So I, uh, I made a I made a bad decision, and I went with the uh, the uh, Giants over the Lions, and I switched my pick. Lesson learned for me, I think, and for everybody else, just go with your gut. But then on the flip side, I went with my gut with Las Vegas on Wednesday of this week. I said, no one's changing my mind. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care if Devontae Adams uh, decided not to come to Los Angeles to play this game. He pretty much didn't because he, I mean, I'm going to know how many targets he had, maybe five or six. It's kind of ridiculous, but um, I, I went with my gut on both uh, on, uh, on the Raiders and I lost and I didn't go with my gut uh, with the big, the big pool, which was the saints and I lost. So uh, it's disappointing, but I look back at this and I say to myself, when do I ever have a hundred dollars on a bet that goes this far? Uh, it's never right. So I'm okay with it. I, I know, I know it's, it's really sucks. You're angry, you're frustrated, but um, it's almost holding a mini lottery ticket. And if you're someone who thinks you're going to win lotteries and scratch offs, uh, you have another thing coming, right? Um, it's all, it's a lot of luck. So uh, that, that's, that's my 2022 survivor story, Kyle. It was seemed like a pretty fun journey. And I know you, you were talking back and forth between trusting your gut or going against your gut. And I, I think that your even in losses, your idea was good process, bad results. Cause like picking the Raiders is not a bad pick. It was up 16 to three with five minutes left to play. That is great process and just bad results because, man, rooting, uh, having money on the line against Baker Mayfield in that spot had to just be tormenting because that is that is 98 yards down the field for uh, I mean, even the touchdown drive right before that. That's just you had the you had a good process and football that that happens sometimes. The Raiders had like a 95 percent chance to win at one point in that game. Well, it just shows you the the odds of them losing were so slim that I typically won't go to bed if there is um, a liability on the line, which I felt like my ticket was worth a decent amount of money, right? Because there was maybe 100 people left for the $88,000 pot. Uh, and I went to bed and just saying, okay, well, I have a two-possession lead with about 13 minutes to go. Like this, this really... It's just one of those easy survivor weeks. I've had some heartaches or something, not heartaches because I kept surviving. I've had some stressful plays some stress, stressful moments, but this one is as easy as it gets. And I'm glad I didn't watch it, to be honest. So um, sometimes you should just go to bed uh, when you're taking teams like the Raiders and just hopefully you wake up and you see the result your way. It didn't happen. Uh, I checked uh, my phone as soon as I woke up. I had uh, Yahoo alerts with uh giving a lot of love to Baker Mayfield. And I just couldn't believe it, but um, yeah, it happens. And again, you know, I'm not as mad as if I were to, you know, play something that lasts for less than an hour and a half, like a college basketball game. And you're already down 20 and you took a team that, 
that should be winning and they, they, they get blown out. That that's a, to me that's almost more frustrating. Even though the payout isn't uh, nearly as good, but you're wasting money so quickly. But again, Survivor is a long, long fun fun ride, and I'm uh, I can look back at this year and say I had a good time and I uh, lost two hundred dollars over a uh, gosh 14, 14 week span. It's pretty good. Yeah, you got 14 weeks of enjoyment out of it. And, yeah. you know, you didn't expect to be at this point. So you're essentially playing with house money, which I think is a fun way to go about gambling is playing house money with your emotions. And uh, I, I have something similar with fantasy football this year, because this year I've, I've tried to maintain a healthy relationship with football by not watching bad football and not checking my fantasy team. Um, the thing is, I'm the number one scorer in our league and going in the last week, I had a six and seven record wow, because yeah. I've had three games lost by a combined five points. And you just can't play defense, can you? Everybody scores on you, huh? <laughs> I The one week, I mean, man, the one week when uh, I think it was, um, was it Mixon who had 50, um, 50 points? I was against Mixon that week and I still only lost by three points. I mean... But but this year I was like, if I had been actually watching these games, I'd be going crazy. But then last week I had a winner go home game to like keep my playoff hopes alive. And I had um, DeAndre Hopkins and it got to the second half of Patriots and Cardinals. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this one down. It's it's Colt McCoy. The offense is stagnated. I kind of get the picture of of what this game is going. Hopkins had the fumble that went back for touch. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm up I'm up eight points. He has uh, James Conner. I have Hopkins. When Hopkins fumbled that ball, I was like, not going to do this to myself. I'm just going to put it down. The game's not that interesting. So I, I I empathize with you on the waking up to the news of Baker Mayfield giving you uh giving you a loss on a gigantic survivor play. Well, I think also the saving grace for me, Kyle, was the decision was between Seattle and Vegas, so it wouldn't have mattered. So I also I look back at that with a little bit of a smile saying, yeah, wouldn't have mattered anyway. Um, Carolina punched them in the mouth early and Seattle tried to come back, but it, Carolina's a better team. Crazy as we sit here today saying that. They are. You think they're better than Seattle as a, as a team going forward the rest of the season? Is that a, is that more an indictment of Seattle or is it more pro Carolina in that sense? Where is Seattle better than Carolina? Well, it's not the offensive line. The offensive line, really doesn't hold up that well for Seattle, where it does for Carolina. The running game, uh, boy, uh, Travis Homer is worthless, in my opinion. Um, DJ Dallas, injured, right? Not, I mean, Kenneth Walker, injured. So the running game, check checkbox goes to Carolina. So uh, defensive secondary, I mean, maybe Seattle, maybe. But um, I, I think that's almost a pick em. And where, where it really counts right now is, you know, is is the offensive line? I'm go back to the offensive line. Carolina has the best, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and what Foreman and Hubbard have been able to do over the last two weeks is quite remarkable. Uh, a journeyman and and Foreman out of the University of Texas, who's really you know did nothing when he played uh, uh, on the previous teams. I think he was on, if I'm right, he was on the Houston Texans. Uh, yes. I don't remember where else he was on. Was he was he part of the Browns? Maybe um, uh, I'll look it up. The the joke I have yeah. with Deonta Foreman is just that he's like the oldest twenty five year old ever. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I feel like he's been around forever, and he's twenty five years old. And you know, Chuba Hubbard was so good at Oklahoma State, um, but I don't think he's an RB one in the NFL. But yet he is an he's been an incredible complimentary back. 
uh, for Foreman over the last few weeks. So what Seattle has better is wide receiving core is, you know, a thousand times better. But that's really about it. I, I, I think Geno Smith, we're getting we're kind of going to get back to reality here. I think with Geno, he's got a really tough matchup coming up here on Thursday night against a very good defense. So I think we can welcome back the real Geno Smith because what I saw against Carolina, I saw a lot of miscues. I saw some horrible, horrible choice uh, decision-making by Geno, and that's kind of what he probably truly is. Um, I still give him the, the, uh, the comeback player of the year, however you want to coin the phrase comeback because he never really did anything prior to this year. But um, he's had a heck of a year, but I, I think he comes back, back down to earth. So let's summarize the question. <laughs> Who's better moving forward, Seattle or Carolina? I think it's Carolina. Wow, that's really interesting to think about given the Carolina was one of these tanking teams. And for the fourth year in a row, Carolina is going to win too many games to avoid getting a top quarterback. And uh, I hope they lose every game the rest of the season so they can continue their streak of 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 5 and 12, 5 and 12. I'm hoping that that's how they end this season. Um, they, they've only won 20 football games the last four seasons. And uh, now with Sam Darnold's victory, he's now won five of those games, which ties him with Kyle Allen for the most victories by a Panthers quarterback over the past four seasons. It it's crazy. Been, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bad franchise that just really struggles in the draft. But for some reason, they, they go in these weird streaks every year where they win three or four in a row and they put themselves in a position to be the seventh overall pick or fifth overall pick, whatever it may be. But um, I'll tell you what, if they win this Sunday, look out. Just look out because the opportunity is staring them right in the face. They beat Tampa down in Florida somehow, which they've already done in Charlotte. They played Detroit in you know, they, they have winnable games. If they can find a way to win four games here, I think they I think they win the South because I don't trust Tampa Bay. I don't know Tampa's schedule. I think Tampa uh, hosts Cincinnati or goes yes. to Cincinnati. They're not winning that game. Um, They've Tampa got Cincinnati. Probably- then they play Arizona on Christmas in Arizona. Then, of course, they play the Panthers, and then they end the year with the Falcons at Atlanta. Yeah. So how many of those games do you fully trust Tampa Bay in? I'd say the most probable outcome is two and two. The most probable right. of the outcomes is two and two. And, and what happens if Carolina goes uh, three and one? And that beat would Tampa? propose some interesting tiebreakers because they would both be sitting at eight and nine, I believe. Well, the tiebreaker goes to, to Carolina with the, with if they sweep. I'm saying they ha- Carolina yes. only only path is to beat Tampa down in Florida. So yes. they beat Tampa down in Florida, and they're both eight and nine. We know who wins the NFC South. Well, the only the- thing that would complicate it is if there's a three way tie where yes, like yes, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta comes yeah. into the mix somehow. Yeah, and Carolina split with Atlanta, so uh, very difficult to handicap. If I had to place a bet on the NFC South right now. You're going to pay a price tag that's kind of absurd on Tampa Bay, probably maybe minus $4. But if Tom Brady can go two and two and Carolina loses a game, then you're going to win that bet. So it's the smart play is probably Tampa with the heavy juice, but I'm not doing it because I don't trust this team and I like what I see out of Carolina, but I also don't have all the faith in the world in Carolina to get it done. So I think you just stay away from any 
uh, any of any prop bets. I think most people will say to take Carolina plus the money. I, I just I just can't do it. I'm I'm staying away from that. The way I think about the last two NFC playoff spots, which is the the, the NFC South winner and the seventh wild card, is just they had to send someone. They 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 just had to send someone to that spot and. We're gonna get we're gonna get someone playing in those games. I mean, uh, for my sake, I hope it's Detroit because Detroit has been a better team than Washington and the Giants this year. So, at the very least, Detroit would make a more compelling seven-two matchup against the Vikings. But would be those, a very compelling match. Yeah. Wow. Where do you <laughs> all make those that spots line? are kind of just send someone? Yeah, I agree. I think we all want to see Detroit. Everybody loves the the story of Detroit. Detroit at Minnesota in the playoffs. I mean. Where do you make that line? I mean, right? I mean, Detroit should have won the game. I think in Minnesota already. Oh yeah, for sure, them? for yeah, sure. They, then, they lost then, that game, but they threw it away at the end. Threw it away. Yeah, I think you make Minnesota two and a half point favorite, which is nothing, right? That's not a big line. That's a that's the shortest line you'll ever see for a two seven matchup. Think about the two seven matchups last year. The two Keystone State uh, teams went in and got blasted uh, at Kansas City and at Tampa, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. So I think you could really only make Minnesota two-and-a-half-point favorite home against Detroit. If they play Washington, probably make it about a four-and-a-half against the Giants. I think it almost lands on a touchdown or more. I kind of agree with that. I mean, the the interesting part about the the Giants is okay. So the Giants have a negative point differential this season. The Giants have a team that offensively is middle of the pack. I mean, they they were higher at the start of the season than they are now. Granted, they were winning more games at the start of the year, and and their defense they can't stop the run. So like, I could see talking points that are interesting around the Giants, but in terms of who is the best team that would create the most compelling matchup, I, I mean, it's Detroit. And it's Seattle, but man, there's only three good teams in the NFC. And if we look at point differential this season, there are literally only three teams in the NFC who have a point differential higher than plus 10 this season. And only five teams have a point differential that is positive in the NFC, which is Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers. And then at plus eight, you have the Seahawks. And at plus two, you have Detroit. So... I mean, again, any of those teams would be at least they would have talking points to it. But I've said the same thing about Minnesota. Minnesota could lose to literally anyone in the seven versus two or the six versus three matchup. And I would not be surprised. Literally anyone could beat Minnesota and I would not be surprised. I think that Washington cements themselves as the seven seed if they win on Sunday night against the Giants. And if they lose that game. I think Detroit really has a good chance here, especially if they can win at MetLife Stadium for the second time this year when they play the Jets. I just think the Commanders are the have the best path here. Pretty clear, they have the clear path. the the You know, the tie against the Giants may not really hurt them at all, um, as long as they beat them down in Landover on Sunday night, which I really think they will. I think the Commanders have proven themselves to be a, a a fun average team, right? And Detroit's the better team right now, but Detroit did not do them themselves any favors by losing, what, the first five out of six games. So I think Washington emerges as the seventh seed here, and I think I'll, I'll place Minnesota as a four, four-and-a-half point favor in that game, but you can't really feel too good about it, right? 
No, not at all. And I don't even feel good about Minnesota getting the two seed because they're only one game ahead of San Francisco right now. That's true. No, you're absolutely right about that. San Francisco is in a a great path. You know, I forget that San Francisco record is is now finally getting to where it needs to be. And it's getting to where the market probably wants them to be at eight and four, probably has a chance to win um, 11 games here uh, or more. So I think that I think you're right. I think Minnesota will probably lose two out of four games coming up. You'd have to tell me their schedule, although they have a really nice matchup this Saturday at home, um, which that, that they should come through there against Indianapolis. I mean, Minnesota's defense is so bad, but where are the points coming from for Indy? And unless you just run it to Jonathan Taylor all night long, which is a good strategy, obviously. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think Minnesota comes home with the victory there. Vikings rest of the way home against the Giants. Then they have at Lambeau against the Packers and at Chicago. So those are two tough matchups because I think Aaron Rodgers um, is going to want to win that game. He's a competitor as bad of a season as he's had. That team gets a little bit healthier after this bye this upcoming week. Easy matchup on Monday night. I believe it's Monday night. Maybe it's Sunday night again. It's Monday night against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, I like the green Bay Packers potentially to emerge there and you know, it's tough to figure out, but I think Minnesota Colts giants, those are two wins at home. I, I feel good about that. And if they can just split with the bears and the Packers, I guess they would be in a good position to hold that two seed San Francisco schedule coming up. Um, we know they play at Seattle. Who else do they have in the remaining three? I know they end the season with Arizona. And that's then, a win. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, seems I like don't know if that's home or away. Who's the home team down in Mexico in that game? Uh, Cardinals were the home team in Mexico. So it's in, okay. it's in San Francisco. They got Seahawks. This actually is tomorrow. Oh, Thursday. We're recording yep. this Tuesday, but yep. 49ers Seahawks on Thursday. Then they are home against Taylor Heineke's commies. Then they have at the Raiders and then finish up with the Cardinals. So I see I see three and one or four and oh in their cards right there. So fascinating two seed up up for grabs in the NFC. Uh, Minnesota really needs to be the two seed because I think they struggle uh, on the road in the playoffs. Uh, I think they want to at least get two home games there where I think that probably won't matter as much to the uh, Niners to play at Minnesota. I think Minnesota gets blasted in Santa Clara. And I think, uh, I think San Francisco, you know, we'll, we'll, it won't be that it won't be easy winning at Minnesota. I mean, that's a very loud fan base. They still have weapons, but I think the home field intangibles matter so much more to Minnesota than they do to San Francisco. I think still to your point, the 49ers playing at Minnesota in the 3-2. I mean, it would be theoretically 3-2. It would be the the Eagles and the Cowboys or the Cowboys playing whoever wins the NFC South in the other yeah. divisional game. But I mean, it's not a it's not a question of whether or not San Francisco is favored at Minnesota. It's how many points is San Francisco favored at Minnesota in a playoff game. I would say I would say that um I wouldn't make it too high. Um, because then they, they, on the books, no. I mean, if you make this really high, then they'll, they'll probably get a ton of uh, one-sided action on Minnesota as a home dog. So I think every book's goal is to have 50-50 action. Let's collect the juice. Let's have people lose on, uh, you know, using this game with another game in a parlay or a teaser. So I, I would make that. I would assume the books make that game um, not large, but 
enough to where you're going to get both sides, and that should be three and a half or four for San Francisco. Anything more, you're going to get a dramatic uh, take on the Vikings. Uh, most most sharp betters would take Minnesota, I think, at five, five and a half or more. Uh, if that was the case, I think I think the books probably make this a three and a half to four. And all really is predicated on what do we see out of Purdy? You know, is Purdy legit? Maybe, but if he's <laughs> if, 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 if he if he's average over the four game sample size coming up, then that that changes everything, right? So right now today, uh, if that game transpires, you know, the twenty second of January, uh, I make San Francisco probably four at the most because. Just too much action would come on Minnesota. I, I believe that would be the case. You said uh, if Washington wins this week, they'd be pretty secure in the the seven spot. Does that mean that you still feel like Seattle will hold on to the sixth spot in in the NFC playoff? Well, I say that when I say they'll be the seven seed, I, I'm just secure making the playoffs. I think Washington has a chance to emerge as the sixth seed, right? Because it really comes down to Seattle. Washington as six and seven, and then Detroit and New York are th- those four teams fighting for two spots. Do I have that right? Pretty much, yeah. Unless yeah. you see a, a magical Carolina run in the cards, <laughs> pretty much, no, yeah. Well, those are the four I, teams. No, yeah, it's just going to be one team from the South. So um, we all we, we know the top five seats, right? And so six and seven. What I mean by the Commanders, I think the Commanders secure a playoff berth, whether it's six or seven. Um, is, is that that's what I'm thinking. Honestly, if, if San Francisco holds on to the three seed, I think a lot of these teams probably would rather be the seven seed, perhaps, right? Um, you know, and, and try to avoid the uh, the Niners the way they're playing. But who knows? I, I, I think the two teams that probably make it in um, are going to be the Commanders and a small lean on the Seahawks. So Seahawks seven, Commanders six would be my, my prediction right now. But Man, I don't know. Seattle's going to lose on Thursday night. I really believe that. And then where do they go from there? Can they get two out of three from there? Depends on who they play. I'm not sure. And depends on who plays because they need Kenneth Walker so bad. They need they to. Yeah. They need the ability to pull a Mel Tucker and just rip cigarettes and call cool plays for Kenneth Walker and make $85 million. Oh, man. I mean, he's such a big. What a what a treat that he has been. You know, you know, they had a. They had injuries already this season, you know, in the running game. Carson goes down and boom, here comes Kenneth Walker. What a what a what a luxury to have him. And then him going down was just brutal. So yeah, this Seattle team, uh, Geno Smith cannot be dropping back as much as he has. We've seen what's transpired. They played okay against the Rams, but didn't even come close to covering the number. That Panthers game, Geno, Geno for the first quarter and in the fourth quarter was horrendous. And at the end of the day, do you trust Geno Smith without a running game uh, against decent teams? The answer is no way. Geno Smith is going to have the most interesting contract negotiation this offseason. Like uh, it's it's going to be like when Calvin Ridley got traded at the deadline this year and they added like five layers of protections on the Calvin Ridley pick. That's what Geno Smith's contract is going to look like. Is this going to be like, we will pay you. Four years and $80 million if you meet this uh, play percentage. But if we draft a quarterback and all of a sudden you're a backup, your contract goes down to $10 million a year. It's just, it's going to be a wild contract that Geno Smith is going to get from the Seahawks this offseason. Yeah, tough decision by management to, you know, roll out the red carpet or may just, I don't know. I mean, do you just kind of say, hey, you know, sorry. We thought, you know, you had a great run, but. You're not the future of this franchise. I'm not sure what to do with Geno Smith. I really think it's going to be telling to see 
what happens here over the next four games and can Geno Smith do something interesting in the playoffs as a six or seven seed at Minnesota or at San Francisco? Maybe it's maybe, maybe at Minnesota, but I don't see it happening in Santa Clara. I think it's interesting because only part of it is in Geno Smith's control. Like part of it is Geno Smith's play and part of it is what happens with the Broncos pick. And he can't control what the Broncos pick becomes. If it lands at number two, I mean, yeah, probably Bryce Young will go to the Texans at number one. But like, I mean, they probably are going to pivot at that point. So I I think only part of it is in Geno's control. And I think that's why I'm so fascinated by how wacky and wonky his contract is going to look. Yeah, good point you make about the the Broncos deal. I I think if Seattle's set up in a position to be the second or third overall pick, and there's a you know rising star quarterback that everybody wants right there, it's I think you have to take him and pass on Geno. That's my gut feeling there. I think that was the game plan at the start of the season. I thought that Seattle was going to try, and the reason they kept Metcalf and kept Lockett even after cutting Russ and Bobby Wagner was I thought they were just going to try and plug and play a quarterback in, and they did technically do that. They plugged in uh, a a rookie offensive lineman, a rookie running back, two rookie corners, and they've kind of rebuilt this thing on the fly, or I guess retooled this thing on the fly, but... I mean, I think they still want to have a quarterback for the next 10 years. I think everyone wants that. It's just whether or not that's available to you. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I do. That'll be interesting to watch. How, how are you feeling about your Buffalo Bills? They they came back around. They got the number one seed back in the NFC for like, I think, I think it was like three hours on Sunday. They had the number one seed in the NFC or the AFC again. How are you feeling about Buffalo? Well, I feel better about the defense. I was very, very dark when I talked to you last time on your podcast, maybe two two weeks ago, about our disappointing defense. It's been okay. Uh, the last two games have we've looked a, a little bit better um, against okay competition, right? Uh, you know, not 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 going to say that the the Jets were the best offensive team, right? You know, Mike White going down in the middle of the game twice um, held them in check. The weather was terrible. But Kyle, you know, now, now I'm going to flip the script and say I'm, I'm a little afraid of this offense. Um, the running game is really, really non-existent. Um, James Cook, Devin Singletary, it, it's not working. Uh, it's not working in any big ways. And then where's where's the wide receiver too? It's Isaiah McKenzie who comes up randomly with these third and seventeen catches that you're like, oh, that's great, okay. But where's Gabe Davis? Um, Where's Dawson Knox on a consistent basis? Dawson Knox is there for some key, you know, scored the first touchdown against the Jets, scored the game winner against Kansas City. But where, where is, where are these guys, you know, between the 20 yard lines? It's Josh Allen with his legs making the plays half the time when it's third and eight. Um, That's just not going to work. So, I don't know what to think about Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, they, the only way they win this this conference is to host it, I think. I believe that. But to answer your question, um, I think they're the third best team right now in the AFC. And and I, I think 1A and 1B are, are Cincinnati and Kansas City. So the, the, the goal here is to somehow, somehow, you know, win these next few games to secure the one seed so these teams – Kansas City and KC will face off against each other so the Bills don't have to play both of them, right, in the playoffs. 
playing both Kansas City and, and Cincinnati will be a daunting task for Buffalo on the road, especially as you know, as the two or three seed on the road once or possibly on the road twice. So you have to hold serve. You have to beat Miami at home in terrible conditions with this team that's gone really soft. Um, you have to beat New England at home week 18, uh, which they should. They match up very well against them. You got to beat the Bears on the road. Terrible defense. Take advantage of that. And then the Cincinnati game, maybe you don't have to win that game. You want to win that game, but that's going to be a tough game um, on the road. So if they go three and one, then they have a very good chance to be the one seed. But I think they're the second or third best. I think they're the third best team, to be honest, right now in the AFC. It's so tough because you talk about the running game and I can't comprehend how four years in a row with that offense, they've been unable to build any kind of running game with that offensive line and that running game. They just they can't do anything. And I think it's it, they can be OK in the playoff. I've seen that the, the last year, which is they can be okay in these short playoff games because Josh Allen is your RB one, but you can't do that in the regular season. You can't let him take those hits over and over again to the point where he's like trying to tackle people with an elbow injury by throwing his elbow at them off an interception. And I just, I think in the playoffs, they'll be okay there, but I still think on paper they're the most talented team. And granted, they've had a ton of injuries and we don't know if Vaughn Miller is going to be back and what percentage that's going to be. But I mean, it's, it's tough because I put them in the same group as Kansas city and as Cincinnati. And uh, I'm with you. I could see them. I could see them making necessary, getting lucky perhaps and avoiding Kansas city until the AFC championship game, which there's no guarantee Kansas city is going to get to the AFC championship game because they would have to play, potentially a playoff game at home against Cincinnati again or against Miami, which I think is easier for them to win, but still not as guaranteed as maybe it has been in in past years that Kansas City will get to their fifth straight AFC championship game. Well, Kansas City, you know, they just can't figure it out against Cincinnati, right? Um, and they, 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 they can't figure it out in the regular season against the bills, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know. This team is really bizarre watching that Denver game. I mean, if you had Kansas city minus nine and a half, 10, I mean, you're just, you're just, you're just asking yourself, how, how did Man. this happen? Well, Kansas city's defense. defense, Kansas city's defense is young and not in the young where it's like you say the Cowboys defense is young and it's a compliment. Kansas city's defense is young in the inexperienced type of way where yeah. young is a problem and they're going to be okay in a, in a year or even, you know, a, a month from now, like Trent McDuffie's playing in his fifth NFL game. Like Leo Chanel is playing almost every snap at linebacker and he's in his second year nick bolton is a second year player like carloffis on the edge is a rookie like uh <laughs> all of the all if almost all of kansas city's defense is either first second or third year players and the problem is that other than chris jones none of them are impact players so kansas city's in this space where they're like the the defense is is learning on the fly how to be good and they're getting torched the past couple weeks which you know, is the reason why they lost to Cincinnati other than, you know, Kelsey fumbling the football like their offense can do whatever they want whenever they want. The defense just can't hold the defense can hold mediocre offenses. They can't hold great offenses. And uh, like you said about Cincinnati, I mean, Kansas City's 22 and two 
over their past 27 games against anyone other than Cincinnati and their own three against the Bengals. And each of the three losses has been distinctly different against Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati's going to beat you with offense. Cincinnati's going to beat you with defense. And then Cincinnati's going to beat you with uh, Kansas City throwing up on themselves in the second half of the playoff game. You know, first of all, you mentioned Leo Chanel, who I think that's like one of my favorite names in football right now. And he was such a great player at Wisconsin. Uh, I just I love watching him play college football. But um, I think I think there's a big discrepancy here with wide receiver play between these three teams. Kansas City doesn't have a reliable wide receiver that makes a huge impact. They, they, I mean, you're looking at Kelsey, McKinnon, Pacheco. These guys are just, you know, these are the guys making the place. Uh, Buffalo, Stefan Diggs is having, I'd say, a, you know, very good season. And at times, he's been pedestrian. Like the Jets game, somewhat pedestrian. Uh, we've seen him We've seen him at times, you know, pedestrian. But he has no help. But Cincinnati... Man, if Tyler Boyd can be if it stays healthy and he plays consistent ball, that's the best trio of wide receivers in, in the AFC by a mile. Yeah. So Bur- Burrow has a lot to work with there. And then let's throw in the running game. Um, the, the Oklahoma Sooner running back uh, duo for for Cincinnati. I mean, that's far better than Buffalo's, and I would say better not not far better, but better than Pacheco and McKinnon. And Edward Gilaire is obviously probably done, but they, they have what it takes, man. They are the best team right now in the AFC, but who's going to be the one seed is just going to be so crucial. And I think it has to, has to go to Buffalo really does with that crowd and that weather. Um, it's tough. I think to prepare to play in orchard park in late January. Uh, even if you're from a cold city, it's just not the same being practicing in Bowling Green, Kentucky, when you're Cincinnati and practicing in Kansas City, Missouri. There's the, the, the difference is, is unbelievable. Like it's probably like the wind gusts are 30, 40 mi- miles per hour difference. The, the temperature is probably 20, 25 degrees. So Buffalo is going to have that, that, that luxury of practicing, even though it's going to be awful for them, I'm sure, but the luxury to be ready for that game. And uh, I think the Bills at home, I would say, have a very good chance to win, get to the Super Bowl, not because they're the best team, but because of the massive home field advantage. At Cincinnati, at KC, I think they're a four-point dog. It's interesting to follow that because I I think there it's kind of a flip-flop based on home field advantage. All those teams, those those four teams in the AFC, I'm gonna lump, I'm gonna lump Baltimore in here for the time being. I know Baltimore is all contingent on health to Lamar Jackson or else the whole tower collapses, but I'm gonna lump Baltimore in here for the time being since we're kind of up in the air on Lamar. All of those four teams are are the I mean, quite possibly the four best non-San Francisco and Philadelphia. Like Four of the six best teams are right there with Baltimore, Cincinnati. Have you been following the possible scenario that could happen in the in the AFC North, which is um, Baltimore and Cincinnati play each other week 18, and there's a pretty good chance that the winner of that game will then host the same team the next week in a six versus three wildcard game? Like that's a that's a scenario that could possibly happen given how Miami plays the rest of the way and whether Miami gets the six seed or the five seed. Uh, there's a there's a still scenario out there where Cincinnati and Baltimore play week 18 for the rights to home field advantage in their playoff game the next week. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think we saw that last year with New England Buffalo in the in the mm-hmm. uh, three six matchup. I think we played New England week 18. 
and face them the next night, excuse me, the next week on a Sunday night or Saturday night and, you know, dismantled them. Listen, Baltimore, where are the points coming? Where are they coming? Um, you They're know, still great. the sixth ranked scoring offense in yeah, the NFL this year. I mean, it, I, I know, I guess, you know, but is that, is that we factor in a much better offensive performance weeks one through five? Can we look at the numbers? Maybe not right now. Cause you know, you're, you're hosting this podcast, but I'd love to see the numbers week eight through week 14. Where are the points? Are they there yeah. against Carolina? They were not there against Denver. They were not there. Uh, against Pittsburgh, how many points did they score in in the victory last week? Uh, they had sixteen. They yeah. had uh, ten in the victory against the Broncos as well. And the victory against Carolina, uh, thirteen. Okay, so is that enough to emerge in any round one scenario against? Um, maybe it is against Tennessee. I think that's a good. That that's probably okay for them. But is that enough to emerge against the Bills, the Chiefs, or the Bengals? No. I say no way. I, I think this team, this team with or without Lamar is so average. But I think that we're going to end up seeing Tennessee, but Baltimore, as a, I think we do every year, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you just, you just blindly bet the other. Uh, because these teams always play that blue-collar 17-13 type of game. And I don't want to see it again, to be honest with you. I'm kind of tired <laughs> of over it. versus Tennessee. Yeah. I would honestly would love to see Jacksonville somehow pull a miracle off, but I think I think the season has been lost for Jacksonville. They looked great last week, but you know they're gonna stink this week. I think they're a five point dog against Dallas, and everyone's probably gonna lean on Jacksonville plus the points. And this is a spot where they just get annihilated, Kyle. I, I could see Dallas winning this game by by 12 to 16 and you're asking yourself what why did i take the jacks so my, my recommendation is not to take jacksonville in this spot after a huge win and dallas sleepwalking basically for 59 minutes uh, of the last game against houston so i've got your answer for you in terms of baltimore offense and i'm glad you brought this up because i um i hadn't really considered the the splits on the season for baltimore which is so from week four onward which is after the the game where they beat the the breaks off the patriots um, from that week, so from the Bills game in week four until Lamar goes out in week 12, uh, the Baltimore Ravens have averaged just over 21 points per game, which over a full season would make them 19th in scoring offense. There you go. Yeah, I mean, they had some big performances against New England, against Miami, and against Buffalo. And two of those games they lost, right? Um, yes, you are so correct. So you take away. Those great offensive – everyone seems to play these type of games against Buffalo. The good teams, right? The teams that are pretty good, back and forth, back and forth with the defense, you know, giving up points. But um, I, I don't like this Ravens team. I, I, I like their grit. I like Harbaugh a lot. Yeah, I mean, we're, again, where are the points come with Anthony Brown in the lineup? Uh, the running game, you would think, okay, well, we'll just lean on uh, Gus the Bus and – J.K. Dobbins, but I haven't seen a whole lot from them either. I, I don't know. This is a tough spot for Baltimore. I think the, the AFC North is now starting to uh, finally go in the direction of Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins at least three out of four games. I think Baltimore slips up here and, and wins maybe two or one of the next four games. Man, that's so tough because if Lamar Jackson had just been healthy, they they have a case to be 
Right. I mean, they they blew those games with the defense where Miami scored three touchdowns in five minutes and uh, the Giants game. Lamar threw a pick and a fumble while having a 10 point lead. I mean, they're so close to being the number one seed for the second year in a row. The second year in a row, they're so close to being the number one seed. And then Lamar gets hurt five weeks before the end of the season and it all falls apart. It's just... It's gut wrenching as someone who knows who who sees the the gift of Lamar Jackson and sees the abilities of Lamar Jackson. I'm just like God. They were unbeatable in 2019 and just 2020 that they were the most injured team in the league. 2021 they were one of the most injured teams in the league, and Lamar got hurt to end the year. I mean, it was just all the way through and through with Baltimore. Just they were so close so many times. And I just Baltimore has been so close so many times to getting back to the 2019 form that was so fun and so unbeatable. And it's just, again, another Lamar Jackson injury is going to be the thing that puts them in a playoff game against the Titans, which could be interesting. At least the the, the flip side of that is that the Dolphins would probably play either the Bengals or Buffalo in the in the six versus three matchup. So at least that would be super interesting to watch. I mean, that's at least the Dolphins offense is capable of big plays and uh, that that would at least be an interesting matchup. But I just I'm so heartbroken for the Ravens again because I saw how good they were. They were one of the best teams in the league. Lamar's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league, and it's just all falling apart again for Baltimore. I think the problem with Miami is between the 20s. I mean, their defense is terrible, Kyle. I mean, you saw what yeah. the Chargers did yeah. to them. They shredded them between the 20s. Couldn't get off the field. They made some Nice stops inside the red zone, but between the 20s, uh, this Miami defense is horrific. And then what happens if you take out Waddle out of the game and now you're just leaning on what appears to be, you know, Tyree Kill just making massive plays or really nothing? I mean, how many times did, you know, Tyree Kill the game against LA? I mean, yeah, he made the miraculous fumble touchdown, then the bomb that where the, where the corner slipped. I mean, but you're getting nothing from the dolphins right now. Like for these, you know, eight, nine yard plays that you should be getting. I don't know the routes. For some reason, I don't like what I see out of Miami right now. Defense is terrible to, uh, um, he's doing okay. I mean, obviously he was a star of the show. Everybody loved to a few weeks ago, but now you're seeing a guy that, um, if you get pressure on him, certainly uh, a very above average quarterback. I don't like the dolphins in the playoffs. I don't see how they win. Uh, in cold weather environments with this very average defense, they would, I think they get shredded by the chiefs and I think they get shredded, which you've already seen by the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course we'll see what happens uh, Saturday night against Buffalo. The, 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 the game that happened, you know, week number two or three, that, that was, that was a weird game. You know, that, that was a, a situation where um, the Buffalo offensive uh, scheme really just completely crumbled at the end of the first half and at the end of the game, Cramping played a major factor. Uh, that's not going to happen on Saturday night. But um, I think this Miami team is good. Deserves being in the playoffs as a as a five or six, uh, or you know. But I don't I don't have any faith in them to go past the first round. The Miami Dolphins have played the same game two weeks in a row, which is they've scored seventeen points, and this is how they got their four touchdowns in those two games: seventy five yard touchdown. 45-yard touchdown, 58-yard scoop and score touchdown, 60-yard touchdown, which is excellent. And at the same time, it means that every other one of your 
I think it's like 14 possessions has ended in a punt or an interception or two field goals. That's a that's a bad offense outside of the bomb plays. And the bomb plays are great. It's just when you get bomb plays on offense, you should expect to score in the 30s and 40s because you're still executing on your other drives in the way that Tua has done all season, which is six for six for 60 yards. Maybe the running game gets going and you score a touchdown or at the very least you get a field goal. But the the offense has been bad the last two weeks and only because of gigantic bomb plays has it statistically looked kind of okay. Yeah, execution on both sides of the ball between the 20s. Grade them with an F because it's not there in the golden state of California, but maybe things get better when they, they go back to hard rock uh, hosting the green Bay Packers and hosting the New York jets, but they got two cold weather games coming up in Buffalo and new England. So um, this will not be an easy path for Miami, but they're, I think they're in pretty good shape. You know, I don't, I don't think that they, they should be threatened too much. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity to directly beat the jets and the Pats to secure that, you know, that succeed. So Miami, Miami's in a good spot, but um, just not liking what I, what I saw over the last two games and a uh, huge game against Buffalo. Uh, the winner, for, for Miami, obviously the winner of this game is going to cement themselves a playoff berth. Uh, for Buffalo, it's cementing themselves an opportunity to host the playoffs. So, um, I, I, man, game of the year for the Bills right now. I mean, you could make an argument that every game is game of the year, but between uh, you know the fact that what lies ahead and their AFC East rival, this is a, this is a big one coming up uh, on Saturday night. I can't wait. Well, we did a lot of NFL analysis. I know that bowl week is kicking off for these next couple of weeks. Is there anything you're super interested in for bowl games this year as, as a gambler's paradise, which is a bunch of meaningless college football yeah. games on uh, on Tuesday mornings and Wednesday afternoons for the next it's, two weeks? It's tough, Kyle. I mean, if you're someone who's trying to earn a living off of bowl games, then then you're in the wrong business because... Um, I, I think information is critical. It helps to know who's who cares if you can figure this out, if you have links to these programs and, and, and who's injured and, and coaches. Cincinnati-Louisville is probably the most fascinating matchup over the next uh, you know couple days here. They, they play uh, at, at Fenway Park at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, interesting game. Louisville laying a point or two um, against Cincinnati. The coaching thing to me is fascinating, right? I mean, Louisville's coach leaves for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's coach leaves lose, uh, leaves for Wisconsin. Which team is more motivated? Um, I think if Malik Cunningham plays, which I believe he is for the Cardinals, um, I really like Louisville here against their against the team that just took their coach. I think Cunningham is going to be the best player on the field, and and I'll take the Cardinals on the money line with a little bit of confidence. Um, another matchup where everybody loves one side and hates the other side uh, is the number 14 team in the country, Oregon State. Um, You know, Anthony Richardson is not playing in the game for Florida. Uh, We tend to forget that Pac-12 is usually terrible in these spots and bowl games. Uh, Florida is not a good team. They don't have a high power offense. Their defense gives up a lot of points. But I I think that a lot of a lot of people coming on different podcasts that I've listened to over the last seven to 10 days are telling you to pound Oregon State and uh, minus 10 and a half. And and I would say go the other way because uh, you've heard the term Vegas knows they know they they know that Florida can keep this game close. There's too much speed there. 
from a from a SEC standpoint. Uh, I think Oregon State should win this game. They probably have the 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 makeup and in, in the in the players to do it. But I like the Gators with the ten and a half here as a ten and a half point dog. Rarely do you ever get that SEC versus Pac twelve. Um, I highly recommend taking Florida uh, in that game. Other than that, no, nothing else stands out, Kyle. I just don't see how you can really. Uh, put a lot of units on Liberty versus Toledo, Western Kentucky versus South Alabama. Um, I would say an intriguing game leading up to Christmas, though, is Baylor Air Force. Air Force always gives their best effort in these games. Like you, you know, they they cover the number probably nearly eighty percent over the last ten games that they played, probably eight out of ten times because these young men from the service academies. They put it out there. I don't care if it's Labor Day or Christmas. They are they are putting everything on the line. What is Baylor playing for? I mean, B- Baylor is one of these teams that has so much more speed and talent, but every year these type of Baylor-like teams that are 7-5 and five or 6-6 six and six with Big 12 talent just seem to stumble into these bowl games and, and, and either lose or just don't cover the number against these military academies. I see it every year. I like Air Force plus the points. You didn't get the best value now if you waited. I think um, Air Force was eight and a half about five days ago. That number's dropped to seven, six and a half, but kind of still like Air Force uh, plus the uh, plus the six and a half. Um, another game that stands out is Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. Wisconsin is really bad, um, and they're the three point favorite. And I would assume that there's a lot of inactives there for Oklahoma State. Jim Leonard going to play. Uh, excuse me, going to coach in his last game. Uh, uh, is probably part of the staff uh, at the University of Wisconsin. I like that game a lot. I think that's a really fun game uh, that's going to be played. I think that game, if, if the Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game, I, the guaranteed rate bowl, I think it's out west. I want to say it's in California. But, if it's uh, the guaranteed rate bowl, that is, uh, that's the one in Arizona that used to be called like the Motel okay. 6 Cactus Bowl or whatever. <laughs> okay. it, it's, it's out west, um, you know. No lean there, but I find that to be a fascinating game. I'll throw out another really good game. I, I think the the best game of the bowl season uh, that's not a BCS slash, you know, whatever they call it, New Year's Day 5. Um, it doesn't have to be the best game, but it's going to be, I think, Texas versus Washington. Texas laying a lot of points here, Kyle. Five and a half points against um, the better team is not favored. Washington's better than Texas simply because Washington – has a defense. Um, Texas really, I don't think does. I mean, we've seen Texas give up points in bunches to some decent teams. Though I'll give them that. You know, they played Texas, very well. Texas has a Pac-12 defense, or sorry, a yeah. Big 12 defense, which is yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they'll give up zero points in two and a half quarters to Alabama, yes. and then they'll give up forty-five points to insert Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think Washington comes into this game very motivated. Um, Washington should be, you know, they probably say to themselves, man, we really could have been in the Rose Bowl this year. We had opportunities. Uh, I love this game. I, I think this is a really exciting game. The Alamo Bowl seems to always produce a really good showdown in the Pac-12 versus Big 12. So um, don't have a lean on that. Maybe Washington plus the points. But uh, we're sitting here, you know, on the 13th of December. That's not till the 29th of December. So no play there. Alabama, boy, that line just keeps dropping, Kyle. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who actually plays for the, the tide. If you took Kansas State early, well, you got a great line because right now it's three and a half for Alabama, and uh, it's probably going to continue to drop if, if, if we hear more, more and more inactives. K-State may end up being on the ledger a one- or two-point favorite at kickoff down in the Sugar Bowl, which to me, Kyle, is the most bizarre kickoff. Uh, I have never seen a Sugar Bowl in my lifetime 
while the sun is out. So the Sugar Bowl played at noon, which I think is not very organic to me. I don't like that. Uh, that, that, that. That game in New Orleans needs to be played at night, as it has for the last, what, 30, 40 years. So Alabama, K-State, very intriguing to me. Um, the, the final four, I, I'm sure I'll probably join you before the final four happens. Um, but I kind of like both dogs in these situations. I, I think Ohio State um, has been granted a second life here against uh, Georgia. I think if the Ohio State defense can somehow emerge from the grave, <laughs> that was a pitiful performance against Michigan. I think they're much better than what we saw in Columbus uh, three weeks ago. I like the Buckeyes here, maybe even to win straight up, but I love it with the points if you can buy that up to seven. And I think TCU, uh, not the best performance in the Big 12 championship. There was so much pressure on them. But now they're going to come in pretty loose, right, against Michigan. Uh, I think Michigan had no business covering the number against Purdue. I was on your podcast two, three weeks ago, and I loved uh, Purdue going into that game. Purdue should have covered that number. I can't believe that Harbaugh just kept going for going for it up by you know 12 or 13 whatever it was at the time um i think both dogs have a chance i think ohio state has a chance to win outright i think michigan wins this game but i think covering the number may not be as easy as it sounds so i like both dogs going into the final four and those other games that we mentioned are the most intriguing games for me he is razor rosenthal you can follow him on twitter and check him out on beer life sports he's got a podcast that you can also go back and listen to uh razor thank you as always uh we appreciate all of the conversation and insights and uh hope you enjoy the remainder of your football weekend leading up and into the, the holiday week yeah it starts thursday and it just never ends from there so uh, a lot of bowl games coming up amazing nfl hey have some football coming up now at two Eastern here, we got the World Cup semifinals. Vamos Argentina. I got Argentina in play here, so let's uh, let's catch that ticket.